This episode of the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by Inside Tracker. To save 20% on your Inside Tracker purchase, visit the link in the show notes. Hey everyone, my name is Holly and I am a registered dietitian, personal trainer, and I'm your podcast host today. And we have a really cool topic today that I'm pretty excited to have. I think this time of year that we're releasing this episode is also just a good time of year to talk about how running should be fun. <laughs> um, and if it's not fun, ways to make it more fun, ways to make running as a sport and activity more welcoming and accessible um, and inclusive of everyone. And the guest on our show today to talk about this topic is Alex Weissner. Alex is a run coach. She is also in charge of Brunch Running, which she founded, which basically is running groups in a couple different locations throughout the U.S. that are inclusive and welcoming of many different types of runners, and you get brunch after to help foster those awesome connections, which I think is so cool. Alex is also the host of the Behind the Sweat Pod, so make sure you go check her out over there as well. I really hope that you guys enjoy today's episode, so let's dive right in. Hi, Alex, and welcome to the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast. It's really great to have you on the show today. I'm so excited to be here and to chat with you. Yeah, I was excited to come on your podcast. I'm excited to have you on the show to talk about just some like fun topics and how to make running more inclusive, more fun. Um, and I think that's why most of us get into running is like for fun, um, you know, maybe for health and for some of those reasons, but it's also supposed to be for fun. So um, I think we lose sight of that sometimes. So I'm really excited to bring everyone back to that. Yeah, no, I think that is the biggest thing. Like, no matter anything we should be doing in life should have an aspect of fun and a fun should be one of those core values. And you know, yeah, there's goals and all that stuff. And we're going to get into it, but yeah, we need to have some more fun in life. I love it. Well, let's kind of get started with, if you could just kind of introduce yourself and tell everyone who Alex is, what you do and where you're from. So I'm Alex Weissner. I live in Denver, Colorado, and I'm originally from the East coast, which people think is funny because I've been out now in Colorado over 21 years. So it's been a long time out here and I am the co-founder and race director at Brunch Running. And Brunch Running is a social run club. That's what we are at our roots. It basically just started out of a Sunday habit that me and a bunch of girlfriends did where we would literally get up, go for a run, run a race, and eat brunch afterwards. And during football season, watch football afterwards. That was like the schedule. That was what we were up to. And my background's in PR and marketing, and I've worked within the hospitality industry for over a decade. And part of that, helping produce other events and festivals and dinners that restaurants were doing, I was like, well, why can't, there's nothing ever breakfast related. Why not? Like, what if we actually take our personal Sunday habit, talk to these restaurants and fill these restaurants up early? Because we know as runners, we're up early, even on the weekends, getting in those runs and really start doing community around it. Um, at the time, brunch launched, there were a lot of other run clubs in Denver, but they were on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. And why not have something on the weekends too? So that was kind of just how we started. And it definitely evolved. We do produce now two races and 
our Denver race is our road race. It's a flat, fast 5K and 10K. And then this year we have Beaver Creek too. So it's a nice little fun fall race, but we're doing running up Beaver Creek Mountain and that's a 5K, which is a very approachable trail race distance, get people in and comfortable. And then that 15K, which is definitely a little bit more challenging, but something for us and for brunch always is making it approachable, making it welcoming, making sure there's something where if you literally want to walk with your baby in a carrier, you can do that at any of our, any of the events. Wow. Yeah. That sounds awesome. And just like, um, the 5k trail race sounds like a good gateway trail race. (laughs) Well, but that's the thing I feel like, and this is going to be a small tangent. Like you look at all these trail races and this is, I started getting into trail running during the pandemic, but there is almost a barrier to entry. Like you're not, who's, no one's going to start running a 50 K. Like that's just very intimidating. So how do we get more people into the trail running? If we're saying, well, you have to run a 50 K that's, and then people won't call themselves a runner because they're only running say a 5 K or going for a hike and running, maybe the downhills, little things like that. Oh, I'm going to keep going on this tangent too, because I think even just that topic of like, what defines like a runner, um, you know, do you have to have completed a certain distance or run it at a certain pace, or do you have to be well-rounded and do trails and roads and tracks or, you know, whatever it is that people kind of hold themselves to as a standard. And, you know, I know you and I kind of both agree that if you run, you're a runner, like full full stop. If you walk during your runs, you're still a runner. (laughs) Um, if your runs are less than a mile, you know, you're still a runner. Um, and I think that's so interesting. I, I had, um, Grayson Murphy on the show a while back now, and she's, she was kind of talking about her kind of niche in trail running. It's, it's not ultras, you know, it's shorter stuff. Obviously she's an elite athlete and super competitive at that short, fast stuff. But yeah, I love that because trail races, we probably think of the ultra marathons, but it's kind of hard to get like started if you're like trying to run an ultra marathon. Yeah. You have to start somewhere. And I think this goes, and I had a really great definition a few weeks ago, just on general about what, how do we define being an athlete and that defining being an athlete is literally making the choice to move your body willingly for something. And so that can literally be saying you are an athlete. If you like to walk around, go for a walk every day. And I think just developing that mindset for so many people that it's not based around if you're competitive, it's literally based around you making the choice to move your body willingly. And Mm -hmm. we can all take that because then I think it gives the way that we're focusing on our own bodies and our own mindset that, okay, this is why X, Y, Z needs to also be fall into place because I'm moving my body and need to recover. I need to make sure I'm eating too, because they're all tied together. Yeah. Yeah. I had, um, a conversation with, um, just someone on Instagram a little while back about this. Cause she was like, I feel like a lot of the information on here from like coaches and from sports dietitians, um, you know, it's kind of geared towards like a certain level of athlete. And she's like, and I just don't feel like I'm that level of athlete. And I don't know if it applies to me. Um, and I was like, that's just a really good point. Cause I think a lot of, I actually did a poll on my stories and like, I think 90% of people right that resonated with them. So I think a lot of people are thinking that, um, and it does apply to you, you know, if you are an athlete and like you said, there can be many different levels of athletes, but you're all still athletes. Um, you know, if you're kind of trying to 
you know, move your body towards a goal, you know, you you're trying to do something with your fitness, you know, even if it's not win an Olympic medal, um, or even if it's not participate in a race, you know, it, it could just be that you want to do something on your own street. Um, you know, then that counts. You're an athlete in the supplies. A hundred percent. So how did you get into like fitness and running? Like what's your story? I've, um, I don't know how to not move. Um, <laughs> my mother will probably say, say, um, my entire childhood, I don't think I ever knew how to sit still. And it was, I'm at a standing desk today. And even in first grade, my teachers let me stand at my desk. Um, so I always was a very active kid. I started dancing at age two and really kind of just continued down the sports line. Um, I do have ADD and I'm dyslexic. So sports and fitness were a place that I really, really felt good about myself. And so I really kind of just stacked everything. Um, I danced everything from ballet to point and then started swimming at competitively at age five and started playing soccer, basketball. And then my family went on a ski trip and really got more and more into skiing. My dad took me skiing with some friends when I was like five, learned how I thought it was fun. But then this is, this is my um, Jamaican bobsled story. Um, I watched the 1998 Winter Olympics and I was like, that looks fun. I like to ski. And at that point I was in middle school, like we had a ski club, we'd go skiing once a week, but being competitive and being very sports focused, I was like, I want to take this up a notch. How do I do more of this? So I started ski racing in New Jersey where there's I'm from New Jersey, so I'm laughing with you, not at you. Not a lot of that. I grew up right outside New York City, so like there's nothing there. Um, Ski raced in New Jersey for a year, and then I was like, I want more. Like, what else can I do? How can I get better? And so I found a winter tutorial program in Vermont, went up there for two years, but it was really hard balancing being in one school in New Jersey, leaving for the winter months, being like in a tutorial program. So eventually I made my way out to Steamboat Springs, Colorado and ski raced for the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club and went to boarding school um, up there and ski raced through high school and loved it. Definitely not anywhere near being good, but I had a blast. I got to travel around and train. And I think that discipline really carried it over into my adult life where sports and movement and fitness have really continued to be forefront. Um, and then I never probably would have called myself a runner back then. Definitely did running for dry land and it was mandatory. And I do remember at one point being for practice, we had to like run up this mountain and steamboat called Emerald. And it was like, it was the worst thing. I was like a city kid. I was like, I don't even know where we are. And like, that stuff where now I'm willingly signing up for races to run up that mountain, which is so much fun. But I really started running when I moved back to New York after college and I was poor and broke and trying to make it in New York city. And I was like, well, I can run like that's cheap enough. I can do that. So I just started running and eventually I moved back out West to Arizona and I was like, well, this running thing's great. It's kind of fun and start picking different races to do would go visit friends in San Diego run a race and then when I moved to Denver we kind of just really got into a good groove the group of girlfriends I had where 
we'd run races um, and running really became our happy hour where it'd be like on Monday nights, let's go for a run before we watch The Bachelor and <laughs> cook dinner. And it was just like, we'd run, grab dinner and being in our mid twenties, we're like, where can we get free food with this run afterwards? So that was a big motivating factor, but it kind of just spiraled into that. And like that led into the business, but then also just my passion for running where it's like, if it's something I can be outside for, I'm all in. The work I do in the gym is just mainly to get me outside and be better at what I'm doing outside. So. I love that. And like, even your kind of journey, like you were, it's very, actually, it's kind of similar flavor of my own, like where you were in a different sport first. Um, and that was really all consuming, not in a bad way, but you know, it took up a lot of your time. It gave you discipline. You were kind of like, treating yourself like an athlete because you were an athlete, are an athlete. Um, and then that kind of translates later into being a runner. Um, even if you did run before you maybe didn't like run for the sake of running, it was for the sake of that sport Mm -hmm. that you were doing. Um, so when you, you know, when you go and you kind of go out for a run now, and that's kind of like one of your main things now, like, why would you say you run? Like, what, what is your why? I think my why today is really just mental health and overall wellness. Um, I've taken a step back from racing this year and really just focusing on what is it that I need and want in this chapter of my life. And I love racing. It's been interesting going through fall and not training for a race right now and just seeing how sometimes this is the busiest time of year for me that having a race to train for also gives me balance and time away from work, which is great. But also just now knowing that you know, I have a girlfriend, we meet almost every Tuesday, we go for a trail run. And that's an hour and a half of our morning that we're going out and getting outside, getting dirt under feet. And now we're able to watch the sunrise over Colorado and just having that opportunity and slowing down. So I think right now for me, being able to stop and use those runs as my me time to really just reconnect and figure out like, process essentially everything going on in my life of being like, all right, so how do I do this? But also it's the time to connect with friends and I love running with other people, Hmm. which makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if it's like a social, if running is like a social thing for you, like that could be a big part of your why, like, this is how Mm -hmm. I make connections with other people and with yourself (laughs) and with yourself. Like, and I think there's that nice balance where sometimes as runners, we do, it is an individual sport. But it is still can be a team sport because you're going after the similar goals. You're training towards that same thing and having everyone kind of together is really, really fun. Like having a crew at the finish line and the start line, it makes the race so much better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Totally. If you have like a community to kind of like celebrate with you, it's always Mm -hmm. more fun. And that's, that's, I think one of the reasons why, um, I like loved getting into running is because I found this whole community of people that are also runners and the running community is pretty great. I'm biased obviously, but, um, you know, I, I was like, Oh, this is just like different than it was in some other sports that I'd participated in. Um, because you can really relate to like the elitist of elite athletes and to people who are much slower than you, because you're all kind of doing the same thing. You're running the same race. Um, and I just think that's so cool. So, I mean, at what point, like, cause you know, to kind of talk about, you know, how to make running more fun, 
did this ever happen to you? Or at what point do you start to see running maybe not become as much fun for runners anymore? And why do you think that happens? I think like, so I'm sorry to everyone run streaking. Like we just need to put a stop to it. Like (laughs) that is one of my biggest things where I feel like I've seen some people get so obsessed about getting their one mile in on a day because they need to run that one mile because they cannot break their streak that it starts to impact their lives and when something you love starts to really impact your day-to-day life like this should running and training should be an added bonus to what you're doing but the moment you're really getting into that I cannot miss this whether I'm sick or something like you're not listening to your body I think that just becomes a whole big thing Yeah. Yeah. I think like the, even like with the run streaking, like an example of that is just like the data in general. Mm -hmm. Like I, like, do you remember when you started running? Like, did you wear a watch? Did you keep track? Like, what did that look like? I didn't, I don't think I didn't even wear a watch. I think until maybe my first, no, and like, I guess I started using some apps, but I didn't ever, I didn't even start wearing a watch probably until I was like 33 and I'd already like tr- run two marathons at that point. I had like used like Strava and map my run, but it was like, my phone was tucked away. I wasn't actually looking at my pace and, but it is like, I think I, the watches are great. They're super helpful. And I think some of the data that we're seeing now, especially for some of the athletes that I coach, I can go in and see and be like, stop running. Like literally your load is too high. This is why you're feeling this way. And we need to take scale it back. So from that perspective, yes. But I think it's also just like, some people get so obsessive with like, make sure they're hitting their step count every day. Did I hit that pace or not? And we're all, no matter what, we're all going to be the hardest on our own selves over anyone else. And I think that, is where like, if you're really talking down to yourself, like take a step back and be like, all right, where am I really on this run journey? Um, so I forced all my athletes to stop training for a month this summer and mm-hmm. did a monthly challenge instead, where it was just like, we're all going to get outside. It's 30 days that you can still run. Cause there's run things on here, but I really don't want you to be focused on the numbers. I just want you to get outside minimum 30 minutes every day, move your body in some way. And it was hard for some of them where they're like, but I, I have a half in January. I'm like, it's in January. You're not going to lose any fitness between now and January. You're still doing stuff. So let's relax and have fun. Yeah. That's like such a great point. So like kind of bullet point number one, people to make running more fun is if you're kind of what I like to call becoming data disordered and data obsessed instead of data driven, like you need to ditch the data and see how that makes you feel. Um, and it might make you feel really uncomfortable and you might still like do this, like by like tapping your wrist when you come to a stoplight, even though there's no watch there just out of muscle memory. Um, and by the way, Alex and I are both wearing watches right now. So like we are right there with you. Um, but you know, that's probably bullet point. Number one, bullet point. Number two, um, I feel like this has really been, um, I think there's a lot of pros to social media. Obviously we met on social media. My business is on social media. I've made great connections, 
But I think this is maybe one of the cons of social media is kind of getting in like what I call like the marathon training, like just vicious cycle, um, where everyone's doing a spring marathon. Everyone's doing a fall marathon. Some people are doing more than that. And it's like people take like a month to recover quote unquote after the race. And then they just jump right back into a marathon training cycle. And like, that's not an off season. Like that is just a couple down weeks. Um, you know, do you have like any insight onto maybe that, uh, routine and cycle that, that if you see it in your rent in your coaching and in like social media? Oh, of course. And so this is what I keep saying. I'm like, go follow some of the pros. Let's see how, what their training cycles look like, because their training cycles are not mimicking anything near where these people who are running multiple marathons a year. Like we see people that are taking vacations. They go to the beach, they have fun with their family. They do these things and they're pro athletes. And I'm always just like, they went on vacation. Why can't you go on vacation and not go for a run? Like, is it really that hard to just maybe... You know, if you're going to be at the beach, go snorkeling, go look at the fish, have fun. It's going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. Um, and I think there are like with some athletes, I have a few athletes I've worked with for years now and it definitely took them a while to get into that mindset of she's not going to force me. Like I'm going on a trip. I'm going to be jet lagged. We're going to be walking a lot, doing those things that she's not going to be like, being like, so did you get your five miler in today? No, have fun. Running will always be there when it gets back. And I think that is the thing you need to remember is we need breaks in our life. And this is always a fun experiment that if you're really, really having a hard time stepping away, give yourself a few days, see what happens. If you take two weeks off, you might be really surprised that when you come back to your training, say you ran, you run New York beginning of November, you take the rest of November off to recover and truly recover when you come back in December, you might be really, really surprised at what you're capable of because you gave your body time to recover and that muscle to grow stronger. And oftentimes we're not allowing our muscles to actually grow stronger because we're just overusing them and not. And then that's the thing I always like to, people are surprised about all the time. So last year I did run Barcelona and my watch died. I forgot my charger. So my watch died the day after the race. And I was like, well, I'm on vacation for the next three weeks anyway. Don't need to care about how my steps I'm doing, whatever. And then I did come back. And when I started training three weeks later and went out for a run, I was like, oh, this feels really, really good. It's because I gave my body time to rest and recover. And then you're like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> what are we doing next? Yeah, like adds the fun back to running. Yeah. And like you said about the pro athletes, and I think this is like a, you know, we don't need to do everything the pro athletes do, but if you are trying to optimize your performance and you're kind of like trying to have the same performance arc, you know, as a professional Mm -hmm. athlete, even within yourself, um, you know, if we look at the pro athletes who are marathoning, like they're doing one, maybe two races a year, unless they're Sarah Hall and that's an outlier. Um, (laughs) but you know, they're doing one, maybe two races a year, like Kipchoge, he's doing like one race a year, um, from a marathon perspective. And a lot of the times too, like these pro athletes, they're not trying to PR every marathon that they run. They're showing up and they're racing each other. Yeah. They want to be the best on that day, but they're also not always trying to be the absolute fastest that they can possibly be. And I think a lot of us recreational runners, we are always expecting and trying to PR a marathon. 
And you just can't, you can't expect that out of yourself twice a year, every single year in a vacuum. Well, and like, that's also where you need to take other factors into consideration. Whether are you running the same race every single time? You could be running a marathon in San Francisco and your other ones in Kansas. Pretty sure the elevations are going to be very, very different on those courses. But also like looking at the weather for things like some people do perform better in the colder temperatures. If that's you or you can know that in the summer you can dedicate more to training. So a fall marathon might be better for you. Why push yourself and add more stress during your more stressful time of the year? Because then you're not going to perform because it all comes back to the stress on the body. And for pro athletes, their job is to run. For us other athletes, it's not our paid job. It's not what we're getting paid for. It's not what we're supposed to be waking up and thinking about every single day. Um, We don't have financial obligations that are tied to our performance. So have fun with it, like, and give yourself grace with it because run maybe more 10 Ks and then you'll show up at your marathon and you might surprise yourself too. Who doesn't totally. Like surprise? <laughs> totally. So bullet point number two is if you're feeling like you're stuck on the marathon pain train cycle and you're also not improving, like, or you're getting more burnt out with each one, like you do need to dedicate some time to work on other things, whether that is shorter, faster races, whether that's just time off, whether it's strength, you know, other things in your life. Cause you're not just a runner. Um, so that's kind of bullet point number two, cause when you return to the marathon one day, it'll probably be a lot more fun. Well, and I think this is also where a good segue to like finding a running community in real life can be a game changer for a lot of people. You know, I understand running with other people. is very intimidating, especially if you are a newer runner, because the question always is, it's like, but I only run this pace, like, and it all comes back to pace. It doesn't matter. Most run clubs and the really great run clubs have a variety of paces out there. So even if you're still walk running or you just like to walk, there's a group for you out there. But what people don't realize is when you run with other people, A, you're distracted. So you're not so focused in your own head of like, I need to be hitting this pace. You might generally start hitting faster paces because there's other people there to motivate you. It's like that same energy you feel on race day on a Sunday morning and you get to like have that and you're like, oh, and well, this is what I did last week. And oh, you know, one of our favorite things, there's a group of us that runs um, as part of brunch running here in Denver and we're all single. So we sit, literally sit there and like talk about dates or guys we've seen on apps or like just feedback. And we're like, this is our gossip time to talk and also make sure like if we're all on the same apps. Oh yeah, that one, no, that one. Oh yeah. <laughs> Amazing. But like, having that fun chance to just connect and not think about moving your feet or how fast you're going can be really beneficial to your training. And I think it's also like run groups. There are times where maybe sometimes we are doing more technical runs where we're like, all right, so we are going to do some hill repeats. We're going to do some sprints, but most of the time it's a conversational pace and you need more of that in your training and it will pay dividends by incorporating more of that into your training. Yeah. I think I have like two points too off of what, what you just said. Like one, the like, Oh, I don't know if I can show up to that group. Cause I run this pace. Literally every runner that shows up to that group is thinking that no matter what pace they run. So like, you know, 
it's probably okay. <laughs> um, you know, if you are also thinking that because literally everyone else is too, and no one cares what pace you run. And there's probably going to be at least someone else who's running the same pace as you that you can hang out with. Um, two, you know, we've all had those group runs where like, I have clients talk to me about this all the time too, where they'll kind of be like, Oh, I ran with someone who's a bit slower than me. And I, you know, ran their pace and I felt great at the end. And I really think maybe I should be slowing down my easy runs. Cause that's what a recovery effort should actually feel like. And then there's the other half of that where it's like, wow, I ran with this group who's faster than me and they really pushed me out of my comfort zone. And I did more than what I thought I could do. Um, and that's part of the beauty of running with other people too, is it takes the focus off of the data and it puts the focus into your body and the experience that you're having around you. Right. And I think like with that, like, obviously we're both wearing watches. We both look at the debt, but yeah. like forgetting about it sometimes is really, really nice. And it is like, and then oftentimes like watches and all stuff can only go so far. They the science, like the technology is only able to do much, no matter what, you know, your body, if you can feel like you're out and you're having a good time, you're on that easy run and you can keep up with those people that are faster than you. Maybe that's something to reflect on and be like, Oh, look at what I'm actually capable of. Like, how does this correlate to everything else I'm working on right now? And where maybe I'm holding myself back because I'm so obsessed with what the watch says. Yeah. Like garments as unproductive, but if you felt that it was productive, then it was probably productive. <laughs> like, I don't understand why we have to use the word unproductive. Like you went for a run. It was productive unless like, you know, you're really overtraining and that's a whole nother thing. But like, for the most part, a run is never going to be unproductive. I know. I always tell people to turn that setting off. <laughs> I'm like, don't look at that. That's, that's unproductive. Um, yeah. And like, I, I remember too, looking at the race predictor, I have a Coros watch. Um, I remember looking at the race predictors, like for the marathon or something before I ran Boston this year. And it said I was going to run like 10 to 15 minutes actually slower than I thought I was capable of. And then I ran what I thought I was capable of. And I'm like, imagine if like, that was just like a limiting factor. Um, cause I was kind of like, ha, take that Koros. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just like, okay, we need to almost like reevaluate and reframe how we're approaching this. Like you need to start with your body and what, you know, is correct training and maybe listening to a coach if that's helpful. Um, and then maybe we can look at the data. Whereas I think a lot of people get it the other way around. They look at the data to dictate what they're going to do. Cause it's one of those things like when I started running, I was not looking at miles. And even like, this was back in high school where I was like, all right, how do I really get stronger as a skier? What muscles do I need to be working when I'm not on the mountain? And I did start getting in, like going for runs, but literally I did walk runs where I'd walk yeah. for two minutes, run for three minutes. And it's like 30 minutes. I I couldn't have told you what my distance was, but like just building that up slowly eventually let me to run for 30 minutes continuously, but I wasn't focused on the distance. And I think if you can sometimes get back to your, like we said, but in the beginning, the why, why are you showing up? Why are you doing this race? That changes your whole perspective on it. Yeah, totally. Same. I would be like, I'm going to try to run to the end of um, our road, which was like a quarter mile. I know that now, um, you know, I didn't know that then. And then I'm going to take a walk until I get to the bridge and then I'm going to try and run over the bridge. And then I'm going to walk until that tree. And then I'm going to turn around. Like none of it was, you know, really uh, measured out. <laughs> um, 
So I appreciate that perspective. And like in terms of people finding running community, if they're like, yeah, I think that's something that I would like to do or can be really helpful from personal experience too. If you move to a new place to meet people and make friends is to get kind of involved in the running community. Like where do you recommend people start if they just don't know where to start? Just Google whatever city you're in and run club um, and options will pop up there. I have yet to really find a few like, all the major cities have tons of run clubs. Um, if you're really concerned, I think some of the Nike stores still operate run clubs. A lot of Lululemon stores operate run clubs. So if you're in those bigger markets, I would like check and look at those specialty retailers. Um, any of the, any place you're buying your running apparel, see if they have a run club. But there's also some really amazing run clubs. Obviously, brunch running's there if you're in Denver and Phoenix and coming soon to other markets. But like, there's also like the Midnight Runners. And there's Old Man Run Club in New York. So there's all these options of these homegrown run clubs that literally just Google it and you'll find one close to you. And if not, start one. It's as simple as saying like, hey, I like this coffee shop. Let's meet here. Or I like this brewery. Let's meet here. And I'm sure those businesses would love to also just collaborate with you. And if you're in that case, starting small, two, three people, that's perfect. And then let it just grow organically. Um, we recently just launched a brunch run chapter up in Silverthorne, Colorado, which is Summit County. And one of the big reasons for that was, A, I love spending time in the mountains. So I was like, this is a great excuse to be up here. But also when I've been training up there and talking to friends that live up there, they are runners. There is no sense of running community. They meet at other places. Sometimes one or two of them meet up, but how do they really do this? Especially with adding in dogs and kids, like how do you make it really a family experience and an experience for everyone, whether you're 35 and coming out with your, I know in Phoenix, my parents have shown up to runs in the past and they just walk and have well, fun. And, but for them, they still like the social aspects of it of meeting other people. And so finding something like that, like, so, so Thorn was like one of our examples where we'd, I had friends up there. I like spending time up there. And it's like, well, I'm going to ask this restaurant if I can do this and they said yes and they were fine with it and they see that value and so that then creates community around what they've built too and I think coming out of this pandemic we really are all searching for community right now and looking for like-minded people and as adults how do you make friends yeah I mean it's so hard to make friends as adults especially if you work from home and you don't really have that like office aspect anymore. Um, or if you're just really busy and you kind of know the people that, you know, and you like are afraid to branch out. Um, my husband Connor and I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina in March of 2020, um, not knowing anything that was going to happen <laughs> with the pandemic. Um, it all kind of exploded the week we were moving and, um, yeah, it was scary. Cause we're like, we're moving to a new place. We don't know anyone. There's a pandemic. So how are we going to meet people? We can't go inside. Of course, the South operated a little bit differently than the North in the pandemic, but that's beside the fact. And, um, that's how we met people. We figured out that there was a club run at the Sycamore brewery, which we found we really liked. And it was really big, like outdoors. Um, cause you can be outside in North Carolina for most of the year, unlike New Hampshire. Um, and you know, we just met so many people through there and then we found that they do a long run club run on, you know, Saturdays at eight o'clock. And that's how, you know, it was a smaller group too. So that's how we kind of, and they're all way faster than us. Um, but that's how, you know, we also made those tighter connections because we were running with like a smaller group. 
um, and we still talk to them and they still visit us even though we live back in New Hampshire now. So yeah, it's just, it's really cool. And I'm really grateful for like leaders like yourself who like have the idea, start the club and try to bring people together. Um, for the person who's trying to join like the run club and they're intimidated by like, um, I guess other runners in the club who are faster than them. Like, do you have any suggestions for if someone is either going to attend a group run or maybe they want to start a group one for making it welcoming and making it a little bit more inclusive of all paces? Yeah, I think honestly recruit friends, like, and obviously part of that might not always be possible, but one thing that's making sure is a learning everyone's name. Like if you're leading the run or if you're going that like new to the group, go and introduce yourself to people. I know it's scary at times, but learning someone's name and developing that connection while you're waiting is a great way just to like figure stuff out. Um, One thing that we do on all of our brunch runs is we chalk everything out ahead of time. So we have an amazing guy at this part of our team. He runs really, really fast and is always running way more miles than the rest of us. So for his first set of miles, he usually goes out and chalks our routes, which is great. So then when he comes back, everyone knows that there's arrows on the ground to lead them. So no matter what your pace is, there's someone there. And one thing we also have is three run leaders for every single run. So there's always someone in the front, there's someone in the middle, and there's someone in the back. So the rule is no one's ever left behind. And for us, one of the biggest things is we're always starting finishing at the same restaurant. So no matter what, where you start is where you're finished. So if you also decide you really just want to walk around the building, that's you for the day. If you do get lost, we know it all happens. Parks have weird turns or all of a sudden you, you're so into the song, you miss the arrow. <laughs> We've all been there. Just go back to where you started. That's our big standpoint. And keeping things simple, whether it's a loop or an out and back, also really helps keep people together. So if we are doing something on an out and back, it's cheering the people on that you're seeing and high fives or virtual high fives and really just creating that sense of community so that, you know, we all started this together, but for us, it is really about that after because yes, we're running, but that's kind of like, you're still sometimes maybe connecting with one or two other people, but we really make sure that afterwards, the reason brunch is so important is because you're sitting down together and really being able to make that connection. And that's where so many of us all became friends was because we, yeah, we were running together, but then it was afterwards sitting there talking about our lives and getting to know each other outside of just running. And so looking for that aspect, um, you know, and there's a lot of the run stores do a great job with that. They're really focusing now on that social side of it. It's not just about that pace. And I think that's even just been such a question. So it's another tangent. Like we're, I want the word jog, jogging to go away because there's no difference between jogging and running. And people are like, well, if you're a jogger, I'm like, I'm if jog. The definition is like literally the same thing. It all comes back to pace. And if we're going to make running inclusive, we need to get rid of the word jogging because just because someone runs a 12 minute mile and that's what you, that's hard for them. That might be easy, your easy pace, but for some people that is their all out pace right now where they're at. So let's get rid of the word jogging. Let's take a minute to hear a word from our sponsor for this episode, which is Inside Tracker. 
I love having Inside Tracker as a sponsor of the podcast. I have been using Inside Tracker for, I don't even know, three, four years now. Um, they have just been such a key cornerstone to me understanding more about my own body and being able to help my clients on a more deeper level live healthy athletic lives and reach their athletic goals. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live healthier longer. And they calculate your biological age, the rate at which you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age via their algorithm. And the thing I love the most about Inside Tracker is that they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like nutrition, uh, supplementation if you have deficiencies and need a little bit of support there, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. And I really love using Inside Tracker as a way to just check under the hood, you know, see how things are running um, when things are going well. And also if I'm not feeling my greatest and then be able to identify the root cause of why that is happening and put together a plan to feel better for myself and for my clients. So if you want to save 20% off on your next Inside Tracker purchase, you can visit the link in the show notes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I think the people who use like the term jogger or like jogging is like, it's two ends of the spectrum. It's either they're just not involved in running at all. And they have no idea. They're just like, it's a morning jog. They're going for a jog. Um, and the runner is like, that was like, you know, a three by one mile repeat eight miles, like, you know, marathon pace workout or whatever. And they have no idea that I was not just jogging, but in the running community, jogging is a very like condescending term. Um, and that's kind of how it's taken. So yeah, I agree. Like we need to get rid of that word. Cause if, if you're going faster than walking, like, and not even faster than walking, if you're making the biomechanical movements of running, even if it is a slow pace, you know, quote unquote, compared to an elite athlete, like you're running, you're a runner, you're doing it. Um, and your heart rate's getting up. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's absolutely the, tr- the, the case. And I think, um, the things you said about how you make your groups a little bit more just comfortable and welcoming about like having the three different like kind of people at the front of the pack, the mid pack and the backpack to kind of tell people where to go. You have the chalk on the ground. I love that. I think that's, I think so many other running community groups would benefit from having like not pacers, but pacers like at different pace levels, because a lot of the times the person who's leading the group, you know, maybe they are faster or maybe, you know, they are just kind of trying to get back to the restaurant first so that they can, you know, organize the group once they get back. So I love that you, you do that. I think that's, that's a really good takeaway if any other running clubs are listening. Well, it is. And I think that like, I mean, I've definitely met up with other run groups at times and you know, especially when I am marathon training, sometimes I'm like, oh, I know I need to get these miles in, but it'd be nice to run like eight with another group or a few more people and like showing up and then realizing that even they're like, we're going to go, this is going to be our 10 mile plus group. And then also I'm like, we just ran that at first mile on 830. That was not a 10 mile. Like I'm like that. I can't right. keep up with that. Like, and really being recognizing where, you know, in that case, that run, I, dro- I got dropped from the group never saw them again. Like, and I was just like, well, at least I know where I am and I'm going to finish the run I started, but like 
no one even like was like concerned about where I maybe went. And I think that should be a concern is that, is there a reason someone didn't come back? And are we keeping out a group of people because we are making it quote unquote, it's inclusive, but only inclusive if you're faster than this pace. Um, and I think that's the thing to realize is some people are starting in different places and remembering what those beginner runners are, that how do we get more people into the sport? How do we continue to change the sport around to make it more inclusive? Because it still is one of the most expensive sports out there. The barrier to entry financially, like it's not just the pair of sneakers anymore. Yeah. Like I even know, I know like even our race entries are, they're a part of what I describe as like our bougie side of the business. You know, the run club is definitely, it's free most of the time. There's like options where you can donate, but we're keeping, that is free. But when it comes to the race up, it is expensive. So how do you really try to change this industry so that it is easier for people to get involved? Because literally it's one of the one sports you can do where you walk out your front door and you can go. Yeah. Yeah. It's such, it's such a cheap sport. And then you're like, wait, the watch and the shoes and the race entry and the, and the physical therapist. Cause now I'm injured and the, you know, um, yeah, I, I totally hear you. And I, I've had that experience too, where you show up to the run group. Oh, we're going to run, we're going to run, you know, real slow. We're going to run 10 minute miles. That's what they'll say. Right. And they're, and you're like, slow, that's, that's not slow. Um, and then you show up and they're running eight thirties. <laughs> you're like, this, these are not 10 minute miles. Um, Yeah. So I think the more we can do to like speak up and try to like, you know, make people follow through with their promises and maybe put in those structures like you have to really make sure that people are, you know, pacing themselves so that others can keep up and are included and feel like they're not dragging everyone down because they're not, they shouldn't be. Um, I think that's so important. Do you have anything else to add about just what we can do to make the sport more accessible? Like you were kind of talking about. I think let's start inviting kids to do more of it. Um, There are a lot of great programs. I'm very involved with Girls on the Run Rockies. And it's like Girls on the Run, if there's a chapter near you, volunteer in some aspect. It's so much fun to like coach and like see kids run, like and run with them because they will give you a run for your money. Like, let me tell you. But I think really looking at how we're treating this as a sport early on, like, and incorporating your kids and family into it, because yes, some of it might be time for solace, but also like my niece and nephew are now almost four and six and they love running with me. Like my nephew loves being on his bike. So it's one of those things if we're spending time together and he wants to ride his bike and I can run, that's a fun activity for us to do. So I think it is really also like inspiring another generation to come out and let's make runs more accessible for families, especially on the race sides. Why, like, why can't we run stroll, like have strollers at every single race? If someone chooses to push a stroller 26.2 miles, that's up to them. Like that is all for them. But why are we putting these like certain barriers on things? Like, you know, one for our trail race, a woman reached out and was like, can I hike the 5k with my son in a carrier? I'm like, yeah, you totally can. Like, how else are we going to show this next generation of what is possible if we're telling them earlier on that they can't even do this? And maybe this is also just a Colorado thing where 
everyone's I, my friends that have kids their kids have been like out mountain biking doing all these things from like very young ages and you know I think it shows them like you can do this too so even some of these races why not make them family friendly why not let the eight-year-old run with their parents doing that 5k trail race like isn't that pretty incredible that the kid wants to do this and not to put them down because oh well you're not getting the same prizes or swag as the adult so get them the same swag they work just as hard so I think that's just a big part of growth for the industry is you can't just look at who is running right now let's run look at who's running in the future too but also as we get older how do we also incorporate that into what we're doing because I think like our group our age range is everything from we have Babies that are about eight months old up to about 70, (laughs) like across our, for events. And it's so great to see people engaged and like see a mom, a grandma and the baby show up at an event. And that's a whole family experience there. And there's just creating more experiences around running. Cause you know, like you said, you've gone to, to Boston running also opens a lot of doors for you to travel and see the world. So why not? just incorporate all of this into our life and it makes it more fun because honestly you could go like Berlin's this weekend as we're recording wouldn't it be fun to go run Berlin and then travel around Germany for a week like that sounds like a great recovery (laughs) so true so true I mean yeah I have clients right now who are in Germany they're gonna run Berlin like I have people doing London Chicago like, it's so cool. I want to go to all of them and cheer them on. And I want to do more of that in the future. Uh, I couldn't this year because everyone's getting married this fall. But, um, you know, it's, which is great too, um, to be clear. But yeah, I mean, I think it's so cool. And it can open so many doors. It's opened a lot of doors for me. So I, I just appreciate people in my life, you know, who have made that possible. Because you, it really helps to have people you can see and identify with doing the thing. Um, so I think if kids can see other kids or like, you know, teenagers or parents doing that, that's super helpful. I know whenever I see like, you know, women who are moms or like going through menopause and they're still crushing it, that's super inspiring. Cause I'm like, that's my future if I'm lucky enough and I get to live that long. Right. Um, so I just, I love seeing more of that in the sport. So I think just the more open-minded we could be and welcoming, we could be about it and have that environment. It's super helpful. Um, is there anything else that you want to add to making running more fun? Have a meal afterwards. I love that. <laughs> I think that is like one of the biggest things like you think about. And I grew up in an Italian and Jewish family. And so food and meals sent time together was really centered around food. It is one of those things where I think when you sit down to eat with people and share a meal, you really get to experience other people and learn about them and what their days like whatever and so add that in like even if it's just like with your partner or with your kids or with your dog my dogs love to join me on every single meal um sitting there and have it like taking that time after your run to a process your run it's also good for your body from a nutrition standpoint but also like give yourself like a high five and I feel like a nice little snack or pancakes, or this morning I made earlier this week, the apple butter baked oats and rise and run. And I've been eating that all week. Like it's a nice, fun way to celebrate and be like, all right, I had a good workout today. I'm now treating my body really well and nourishing myself 
with this food and it puts you in a great mindset. So I think everything is related and just, you know, we're all going to have bad runs. You're, there's, we've all been there where you have that run that you're just like, that sucked. What happened? Just be like, it was a bad run. And the next one might not be that same thing. And you can't keep comparing every single run to every single run. Every run is, is its own thing. It's there for a reason. Some days you might just need to like get out there and slog through it. And if that's the case, listen to your body. Maybe halfway through, you just go, eh, I'm going to walk the rest of the way. Like that's okay. And be okay with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So it is giving yourself grace. It's having fun. And if you are getting bored, running the same loop over and over again, look for other ways to get out there, switch it up. Maybe do start getting into trails or incorporating trails into something else. And there's amazing trail groups out there too. So there's so many options. And worst case scenario, just put on your favorite song and move your body. Well, I love all of that. I think too, just from the food perspective to go on a small tangent, cause well, it's me and I'm a dietitian. Um, you know, I think that's so important. Like if you are kind of bookending your run with proper nutrition, you are giving your body kind of like the signal to start recovering itself. So if it was a bad run, like you're going to start to feel better. Um, because you're giving yourself those building blocks to start feeling better. Um, if it was a great run, you're giving yourself those building blocks to basically be like, that was a good deposit in the bank, locked it, sealed it, moving on. Um, and you know, your brain is going to be a bit low on glucose. Your blood sugar is going to be a bit low. Your muscle glycogen is going to be depleted after you finish your run. And that can tell your body like, uh, danger zone, getting tired. So if you are kind of refeeding yourself, you can be happier. Um, you will be happier. I've actually heard that from, um, someone I used to have as a client. She was like a captain of her track team on a collegiate level. And she was learning a lot about, you know, disordered eating in the past and overcoming that and having a better relationship with food and body image. And she was trying to really relay a lot of that to her team. And she was like, you know, everyone's eating more. And we're all a lot nicer to each other now. Like everyone's better. Everyone's more friendly. Um, so, I mean, Hey, that makes running more fun too, is food and the social aspect obviously as well. Yes. That, that's, that's the magic combination right there. Yeah. So where can people find you and all that brunch running has to offer? We are, brunch running is brunch running everywhere. If you're interested in learning more about our race series, it's at the brunch run. We've got some awesome things in the works for later this fall and early 2023. So definitely stay tuned for that. And yeah, if you want to follow me personally, it's just at Alex Weissner, really original, <laughs> but yeah. Nice. Yeah. I hope everyone goes and checks that out, especially if you are local to where those group runs are held, go show up and have some fun with some like-minded people. Um, now I'm going to ask you the end of the podcast question. So, right. <laughs> yes, you are finishing the best race of your life. Unicorn day, feeling amazing, crossing the finish line. What song would be playing to embody how you're feeling in that moment? Um, this girl is on fire by Alicia. Well, that's a good answer. It's a, it's, it's a great song. Um, yeah, it just, it, it's a good anthem. Like when you're like, yes. And like you want to raise your hands and you're like, yep, I did it. Fire done. Alicia Keys is straight fire. She's awesome. I love her. <laughs> I do too. That whole album. I'm just like, and we're playing over and over again. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that answer. I think, um, it's like empowering. It's just like a good, it kind of drags on a little bit too. So if it is like a long finisher shoot, (laughs) it'll get you all the way to the line. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Alex, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I hope people go and check you out and thank you for everything that you've done for the running community. Oh, thank you. It's been so great to catch up and, um, yeah, check out behind the sweat to the podcast and listen to Holly's episode. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Go check out that podcast. Um, I'll kind of link to everything in the show notes so that people can find you and we'll see you next time. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show today. That was a fabulous conversation. And I just really enjoyed gushing about the running community with a fellow runner who wants to make the sport a little bit more welcoming for everyone. And guys, I truly mean it. Like if you are getting into running, like if I see someone running when I'm driving by them on the side of the road, I am not thinking about how fast they're going. I'm not thinking about what they look like. I am just like, oh, they're running. Look at them go. Like, go you. That's what I'm thinking when I pass you in my car or if I pass you like while running myself. I'm just so excited to see other people participate in the sport because I know that it can truly have a really big impact on your life. It's had a huge impact on mine. So I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Thank you again to The Feed for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And again, check out the link in the show notes if you want to earn $80 in store credit this year to spend on all your favorite sports nutrition goodies. I know I have a box coming soon and I'm really excited about it because it's got some of my favorite more fall and winter like, you know, flavored products in there that, you know, I don't know, sometimes certain flavors, my favorite um, gels are like goo gels or the Huma gels are my personal favorite. And I don't know, sometimes like if you keep certain flavors on your person in the summer and things like they really heat up, they just don't taste as good. <laughs> so in the cooler weather that we have, um, at least up here in New England, it's kind of nice to be like, oh, I can try some of these flavors again, because they're going to actually, you know, not heat up when I'm running, and they're still going to taste like how they're supposed to taste. So I hope you guys go and check that out. Thanks again so much for listening and happy running. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.